This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code Podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcode.com. Welcome back to the Short Code Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler. On today's show, a discussion and a performance. Uh, about medicine and music. Uh, so I will now adopt my jazz personality. <laughs> with me today in the studio and on our Facebook group at the Short Coat Student Lounge, it's M2, AJ Chowdhury. <laughs> and M- <laughs> M2, Anthony Piscopo joins us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> M2, Trayton Krupp Woo. is here. And uh, Dhruv Kathari. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. So we'll try that again. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. There you go. Something like Woo! that. There's something like that. There we go. Shredding today. Shredding today. Thank you for coming. Before we get started, I need to, to, to uh, visit the financial aid office, as I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Panacea Financial. Panacea Financial is a nationwide digital bank built for medical students, built by doctors themselves lived through financial frustrations. Whether you're a fourth-year medical student, a resident, an attending physician, Panacea offers free checking with no ATM fees nationwide, 24-7 customer service, and loan options designed specifically for you. At Panacea Financial, for instance, you can get a PRN personal loan up to $15,000 as a medical student funded in as little as 24 hours at less than half the interest rate of a credit card. Uh, You can use the PRN loan for a better way to cover expenses such as relocation, board exams, or residency applications. Medical students and residents can have a period of no or reduced payments. And to top it off, every Panacea Financial customer gets their own free personal banker who is a phone call or email away to provide the personalized service you deserve no matter where you move in your career. If you're ready to join the growing number of physicians nationwide who expect more from their bank, visit panaceafinancial.com today to learn more. Panacea Financial is a division of Premise, member FDIC. Thanks so much, Panacea Financial, for uh, supporting the show. Appreciate that. All right, all right. Well, you all may be wondering why I've gathered you here today. (laughs) And it's to talk about music and how, as medical students, we keep our love of music alive throughout medical school. So I'm AJ. I play the bass. Trey, what do you play? I play guitar. What about you, Drew? I play guitar and sing. Cool. And what about you, Anthony? I'm a singer. Sweet. We all play music and we manage to keep ourselves going through medical school, balancing our love of our instrument and our love for music while also studying medicine, one of the hardest, most consuming things you can do. And in my experience, I've actually become a better med student because of music. What do you guys think about that? It's definitely at first, it seems kind of contrasting. It's easy to put them in your mind as two separate things. But the more I play, the more you realize the aspects of life. Medicine is this go, go, go type of thing. And you sit down, play music, and you can't have that mindset to play. So it kind of shows you like, oh, I can do both. I can bring that mindset to medicine, making me a calmer, wiser, future physician. It's a good time to be a 
like creative too. You don't always have to do things like necessarily exactly the way you're told to, like you have to do in class all the time, memorize things perfectly, or you can kind of just explore what you want to explore, you know, perform it the way you want to. Maybe it's completely different than the way it was written. You know, it's like kind of your own free time to think about things in a different way, which like I think in a lot of ways probably can help you in medicine too, if you don't just approach things the same way everybody else has. Mm-hmm. medicine is very much like go 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 you're always thinking about like what is the next thing what is the next thing when is the next uh test i have or when is the you know the next thing i need to study or next assignment that i need to turn in and for me i've always found whenever i sit down and I actually take the time to jam or to work on my own music to you know hang out with other people i feel very very intensely present in that situation you know i'm not thinking about what is the next thing or what is that um, future goal that i'm trying to achieve and all of of course all of us are very uh, motivated individuals but i think that process of just being present and being aware and just being able to feel what you're feeling whenever you're listening to that music it takes you places sometimes i come out of sessions and i'm just like wow it's it's been an hour like i don't even i can't even believe it's been an hour it felt much shorter than that you know do you guys ever do you guys play more when you're stressed out oh yeah or sing more yeah because my son is a musician i've noticed this sometimes when he's stressed out about something i'll hear him going nonstop on his guitar or his, you know, <laughs> yeah. upstairs and i'm like okay yeah healthy coping mechanism i know what's going on that's great it's perfect <laughs> yeah i notoriously start singing way more like two to three days before a test, like every two weeks. There's lots of cool things on YouTube where you can go on there and follow along with the sheet music and just sight read and explore new music. And I'm always doing that like the week of a test, it seems. And it's like, wow, it should be the other way, right? I should be doing it when I have free time, but it always like makes me feel better. And I'll even stay up super late doing it. And my friends like, no, I do this too. And I don't know, for some reason, I always just leave feeling better, even though it's like, you know, two in the morning by the time I get done with it. Yeah, Thursdays are my days. I feel the most creative when I need to be studying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Drew, I think we played for like two hours yesterday, probably. Yo, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it just, it flew by. You know, yeah. it's just su- super fun. You get like, you get into this groove with another person. I don't know. It's just like a really fun reflective process too for me personally because like i so i'm doing a humanities distinction track project here where i'm uh writing a lot of my own songs and i find it as a good opportunity not only to reflect on my own life but my my project is actually based on my reflection on my patients and is influenced by their stories and what are the common themes and experiences that we all have so for example like i had a patient who was uh, in a rehab facility and I was there for an hour or so just listening to his story. And he basically had a really tragic incident happen where he almost died. And when he woke up from his coma, he realized like he really needed to change his behaviors. And I personally don't have addiction. I don't know like many people that do. And I know some people in med school may deal with that, but there are many patients that do deal with that. So just being in that mindset of like writing a song where I'm like, what does it mean to have addiction? What does it really mean to have your everyday consumed by this thought of, oh, I want to use more. I want to drink more. And what does that mean? Like, you know, for him, he was the the guy I was talking about. He had to almost give up like all his friends because that was like what they did together. I find that that process for me actually really increases my empathy for situations that I have never experienced. You know, like, I don't know what it's like to have an addiction, but at least like through this process of writing and just sitting there and thinking like, what would it be like if I were that person? You know? Yeah. This is the kind of thing they they 
try to get you to do with reflective writing yeah. in, in like mass or I don't know. Is that, is that where most of the, most of that happens? And uh, you know, that makes sense to do it that way. It's just not everybody is a writer or feels the need to write. So seems like a great way to, to do the same thing in a different medium. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's also much more physical, I think, than writing something out. Not that there's anything wrong with not being physical and expressing your emotions. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for example, Kate DeSherry, the director of the Humanities Program, actually gifted me an upright bass a couple weeks back. And it's a much more physical instrument than the electric bass, which is my main instrument. So a couple weeks ago, I was just in a really, really stressful uh, time where I had a lot of things going on. I had an entire weekend of gigs. I had a test the next week. And between that, I had to do a couple of leadership things for the organizations I'm in on campus. And somehow I also agreed to volunteer at some point in the week. So I was just thinking, man, this this is going to suck. I'm not going to get that much sleep. So I decided, you know what? I'm My head space is not where I want it to be right now. Let me just throw on a metronome and just play this upright that I have no idea how to play. It's actually a very different instrument from the electric bass. But because I didn't really know what to do, I didn't have any kind of guidance or any kind of preconceived notions or expectations, I just turned the metronome on and let my ears do the listening and let my body do the playing and out came something actually pretty fun. It was, it really captured my emotions of frustration and of fear of the future. And I took those into my playing so that I didn't have to, you know, maybe express those feelings while talking to someone and snapping at them or being a bad team player or calling people out for not doing their fair share of the work. Instead, I have something else that I can project my emotions onto that won't hurt anyone. What's the worst that's going to happen? I play a note that's a little out of key or a little off time. It's not going to kill anyone. But being a bad team player when you're taking care of patients might. So it's been a really powerful source of just getting my feelings out, getting myself out into something that can make something beautiful instead of that can potentially hurt someone. Yeah, so much that fear of the future is having these goals and having this one thing that has to work out or the way you think it is. And when you sit down to play that, just like you did, you don't have that. You're open to new ways of feeling, new ways of looking at things, playing things. And you come out of that with a totally different view of like, oh, man, I guess I could think about that, feel different about that. It's just cool because as a medical student, you're like so used to trying so hard all the time with things and you're stressing about it. And you're like, oh, I want to make sure this goes perfect. Like you're really trying to control how you do, you know, like you're just trying so hard. And then like with music, a lot of the time, some people might think of that as a really hard thing, but for people who are really into it and love it, it kind of feels like you're just letting go in a way. You just, you're just releasing what you're feeling and you don't have to try so hard for once, but you can still do something good without feeling bad about it necessarily. That's usually when like some of the best stuff comes out is when you're just doing what you're feeling at the time. Yeah. AJ is out here projecting his emotions on an upright bass. <laughs> you should know that I have feelings too, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, it, it tells me his feelings. It tells me it as soon as I feel my feelings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's really fun. So when did you guys, or how'd you guys get into what you guys play? I can start. Yeah. So my earliest memories are of me playing on my uncle's acoustic guitar in Bangladesh looking over the porch on the fourth or patio pat onto 
this very, very polluted pond full of geese and just wailing away on his acoustic. And he told me not to touch his electric because it was expensive. And in Bangladesh, there's not many resources to be able to fix an instrument if you break it. So I've been playing guitar probably since I was like two or three years old. And over time, I started adding more strings. I grew up in the DC metal scene, which is kind of like the birthplace of a lot of modern metal music. And I just kept adding strings onto the guitar until I got to eight strings and realized maybe I should try the bass out. That seems to be where my range is. And so I actually took some time off during college from playing music completely. At one point, didn't own any instruments. And I was a very different person from who I was growing up and who I am now. And I like to think it's because I stopped playing music. But eventually it came back. One day I was studying for the MCAT. It was like a 12-hour long study session. And I finally finished up. And I started watching YouTube videos. And I saw an Adam Neely video. Adam Neely's a bassist and music educator. So shout out to Adam. I saw him live a couple weeks ago. It was awesome. But he's the reason I play bass now. Because he was doing something about bass. And from there, the next day, I just picked up the bass and I started playing gigs almost immediately. And now we're here. The algorithm saved you. <laughs> yeah, it did. Exactly. <laughs> what, Dave, what were we talking about with YouTube algorithm optimization? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feed the trolls because yeah. that, that uh, gets the algorithm's attention. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Anthony, you sang in college. Yeah. And it's funny because a lot of people that I grew up with and a lot of people now don't even know that because I was like always in choir growing up and stuff and I really got into it like junior senior year of high school I was uh in the Wizard of Oz and I played the lion <laughs> and like that was like the first time nice. I performed like by myself yeah. in front of a bunch of people in a full lion suit and like yeah. I lost like 10 pounds sweating in that thing yeah. but I liked that and I decided to try like really hard to try and get in the Allstate that year and I made it in the Iowa Allstate choir when I was a senior and that was cool because every year they have that they have a different like guest conductor who conducts the big uh group of about 600 people and that year it was uh dr nelson who was the conductor of the wartburg choir and i didn't really like think too much of it at the time just thought he's a cool guy but then that's actually like where i ended up going to college to sing eventually so that's like kind of my connection into like collegiate singing and then i tried out for like their like their top choir that they have that tours around the country and stuff and i made it in as a freshman as a as a low bass singer and so we like toured the country my freshman year of college and stuff and that was like my thing because they had a good pre-med program too so i was like oh i can study medicine i can sing this is sweet but it was like it was a lot. I mean, we were taking private voice lessons. We were touring around. It was hard to do that and pre-med at the same time. But kind of like we were talking about, they like went pretty well together. By the time I was done singing for three hours, kind of sick of that, ready to study. By the time I was done <laughs> studying, I was ready to go sing a little bit. So it was pretty cool. And then I eventually ended up transferring uh, to Iowa to come here and start researching in the neurosurgery department and start trying to get into medical school and all this stuff most of like my freshman year of college is when i did the most singing and stuff but i still sing like all the time to this day like when you do it that much and you get so into it and you start to learn like what you can feel from singing different kinds of music and stuff like you'll never stop you know yeah totally but um yeah i guess like i can talk about how i got into it so some of my good buddies in high school 
played guitar and sang and I used to just hang out with them and feel incredibly inadequate. <laughs> just, they would just be like, you know, singing and like sounding good and playing guitar. And I'd be like, man, that's cool. I can't do any of that kind of stuff. End of senior year, I went to a pawn shop and I bought like a $50 guitar and I kind of just learned stuff on YouTube. I think the first song I learned was by Nirvana. I can't remember. I think it's uh, Come As You Are. I don't, I don't know exactly which one it is, but anyways, it was just like, I just learned it on YouTube and figured it out. And then I went to college. One of my um, floor mates also played uh, guitar and he was singing too. So I started guitar like a little bit earlier than he did. And he started singing a little bit earlier than I did. But we used to come together. His name was Marcus. <coughs> he was a pretty cool guy. We would go to the, the dorm kitchen, which was like all the way downstairs. And it's like belt in there and probably violate. I probably violated many people's ears <laughs> in, in an uncomfortable manner. But I like to think I don't violate people's ears anymore. <laughs> Wait, what are you playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to go into ENT. So I, I, I will probably, I will probably be violating people's ears for their earwax. For their, for their own, for their, for their own, uh, you know, health. Exactly. And they can for medical it purposes. To it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, you know, so I just kind of kept up with it he he and i taught each other a bunch like we just taught like each other how to sing and i actually learned how to sing because he was in love with mumford and sons so i learned how to sing actually by harmonizing with him so that was kind of cool and then slowly just learned more and more cover songs and i started writing my own songs in my senior year of college because i realized or at least for myself that like covering something it didn't feel like it was mine and i felt like the best you could do is mimic what was already done and of course like covers are cool and it's a shared way of of showing you know oh yeah like a lot of people know this song it makes it communal but i also kind of wanted to write my own things and so i started doing that and now in med school i've, I've kept up with it i've written like almost like eight ten songs that are fully drawn out i've performed them like at open mics at the mill and some other places too at uh, shows and yeah it's been something I, I definitely and it's definitely influenced my career choice like going into ENT like trying to help people with their ability to hear again that's been something and help people with their voice people who have like vocal cord tremor and vocal dysphonia um, or, spas or spasmodic dysphonia and there's so many different types of like treatments that you can have for those kinds of people yeah that that's my process like yeah it's a cool path. Yeah. Yeah, I totally feel you on the not wanting to do covers too much. Once you learn, you can write your own stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I started playing guitar in second grade. Uh, I think it was Green Day, American Idiot album that got <laughs> me, that pushed me to try to learn. And yeah. I think I took lessons for about a year. And then I just wasn't liking the classic way of learning. And my dad was a big part of it. And he was like, you know, well, he kind of played guitar. So he was like, Let's, let me teach you how to play guitar, how to like feel it, not just read music. And ever since then, I've been just kind of a YouTube kid learning guitar um played in a lot of bands in middle school actually played around town at the bars here back then and then all of a sudden kind of stopped playing guitar as much and got real into electronic music and from that was like oh man i want to learn how to produce music and that's when i realized oh i can produce music i can be the drummer the bassist the guitarist so my musical path over the past four years has been a little more just kind of solo stuff making stuff but I love just recording, putting a guitar track down, playing stuff over that. So that's really been like what I do lately. But recently, me and my friend met up, just had a whole week of kind of a musical retreat out in California, recorded some stuff. He's a producer, too. And we got some stuff on Spotify, which was real cool just to take a project all the way to completion and make a sound as good as it can while also 
having the musical component to it. So, yeah. How do we find that? Uh, if you just look at my name, Trey Krupp. Okay. Um, I'll put a link to it in yeah. the show notes just for kicks. Yeah, and that was just a fun yeah. thing to do because, you know, we sat down we came up with some really cool ideas and all of a sudden we're like okay let's take this to another level that we haven't taken it before so it was interesting taking that mindset of like oh we gotta make this as best as we can to the just kind of musical creativeness that i was used to doing without the pressure of the product Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to theshortcoats at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. Seems like most people that are into music never took like the path that they thought they were going to take with it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a certain way you're supposed to like be taught how to play this instrument or you think you're supposed to sing this way. And then s- something came up, either you saw a YouTube video or you like had a mentor or something and it just completely flipped around where you thought you were going to go with music. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what makes it so cool. And I think develop your own style eventually and stuff too, because I'm listening to you guys and you're like, oh, you know, I started doing this and then I realized I kind of wanted to go that direction with it. Or I learned a little bit better this way or mm-hmm. I wasn't really vibing with that. I kind of just went this direction. So I think that's what's so cool because everybody has such a different story with it. But like you all kind of share the same love for it. And you're like describing the same set of feelings. There was just a different way of getting there, you know? Yeah. And I think it's very much so the case for medicine, too, which is why I think a lot of musicians that don't necessarily do just music like they're that's not what they're putting food on the table with are in medicine there's so many classmates so many residents faculty attendings that play musical instruments just at iowa at the carver college of medicine at the hospital and it's pretty common elsewhere too my bass teacher teaches plenty of med students or doctors that also play music and i think a lot of the things that we've been talking about also come into medicine as well like for example we are all different in our backgrounds musically, but we just warmed up before this podcast and it sounded good, even though we've played maybe once or twice together and we all come from very different musical backgrounds. We played something that sounded great together. And it's kind of the same thing when you're in the hospital in teams with different roles, different training, different responsibility. The goal is to give really good patient care. The only way you can do that is if you go in with the attention of, I'm going to be a good team player and myself my feelings aren't necessarily the goal of my job is to give good patient care just like how a musician their goal is to make the music good it's about the music it's not about them we do that in healthcare too it's not about us as doctors or med students it's about how can we use our skills our abilities our knowledge to make sure our patients are in the best health possible Mm-hmm. AJ embodies that the most playing the bass <laughs> very subtle but doesn't need to take the spotlight but provides so much for the team <laughs> right back at you Trey yeah <laughs> another like really good parallel I think is the fact that you don't always know like exactly what you're getting into with music or with medicine I think people have this view of doctors that like they always know exactly what they're doing they've seen this case before they've seen it a million times this and that but like Half of being a medical student and I imagine a doctor someday is like you're going to run into so many situations you've never seen before and you just got to roll with it and you got to adapt and just figure it out. And I was just like 
thinking about that kind of as we were warming up here, how we all come from like such different musical backgrounds. Like I'm sitting here, I've pretty much exclusively sung choir music my entire life and I'm jamming on like, you know, funk, like jazz music (laughs) with you guys. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just hum over the top of it, you know, like, and you know, when you're like OR for the first time as a med student, you have no clue what's going on, but you're like, oh, I think this would probably be helpful. You try it out, you get yelled at, you're like, all right, that's not a good thing to do. Like you you just got to adapt. And I think that's, I don't know, it's just kind of a cool skill to learn from two wildly different perspectives like medicine and music but they share the same kind of theme you know yeah, well life is improvisation right like i'm always struck by people who are like i can't i can't do improv or i can't you know make up music and i'm like we're improving every moment of our lives yeah. we're improving right now we just don't <laughs> think about it yeah <laughs> we have the illusion we're not i totally agree with everything and as an example i'm playing the electric guitar which also i've never played before i'm playing in a style i've never played before when we were jamming earlier i gen- generally do the more singer songwriter type stuff but you know when you come together it's like oh we're making something that we've never made before in the same way anthony's saying the same way you like went with your friend back in california you made something you never made before and in that same way, you know, like when you're in the hospital, every team is going to be different. You're going to be working with different attendings. You're going to be working with different residents. You're going to have to figure out ways to understand like where those people come from, how those people communicate and how to get the best patient care possible, how to get the best team work that you can possibly get. And just like being able to be adaptable to those situations, see like, hey, how can I be helpful in this situation? And even when you're in the operating room, like, you go do a, a tonsillectomy, an adenoidectomy, with which tons of kids get. Everyone knows a procedure. There are so many ways to do that procedure. You go to a different uh, surgeon, an ENT, like everyone does it in a different way. And there's so many different ways to get to the same goal, but it's just being creative and being like open to the idea of like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to go, like you're saying, Anthony, but you know, there are different ways to get there and just being open to seeing how other people do it. In fact, so many surgeons actually travel from here to other countries and to other hospitals to see like, oh, I want to see how my colleague in this country does the surgery. Dr. Gantz here, who's one of the pioneers of the cochlear implant, he went to Switzerland and got his fellowship training there, came back and brought his training from cochlear implantation from there here. And really, I mean, that's all about adaptability and wanting to see how other people do things, you know. I think along with that, it's the ability to pick up on cues too, you know? It's like you do that in medicine and you do that in music. Say you're improv with a group of guys you've never been with before. It's like you just try and pick up on the vibe of what they're going for, the cues, and you just roll with it the same way. If you're with a team, like if you're a med student on rotations or whatever, you're like, okay, OB-GYN does things this way, PEDS does this thing. Like, it's never going to be the same where you go, but like just socially, just picking up on cues, what do people like, what's helpful, that kind of thing. I, I think it applies to everything. Yeah, especially with uh, improvisation, you want to hang back at first, feel things out, see where things are going. And then you realize, oh, can I fill this role or this spot, this like beat? Can I do a little fill in that spot or can I be helpful in this way to the team? You know, you can see the similarities there. Yeah, for sure. Life is all about improvising. We have to adapt and it applies to medicine just as much as it does with music. And one thing I want to talk about with that is this inherent guilt that we feel for not striving for perfection as medical students and then as doctors. Every single moment of the day has to be taken up by studying or by practicing or just 
trying to make sure that as soon as you leave your own room, whatever you say and do is perfect, which I think is really harmful in medicine and in music. If you only play in your room alone and you practice and practice without ever thinking about just going out there and meeting new people, making music, improvising, jamming, stuff like that, you end up not really ever moving forward, never really improving. So I like to think that the more time we spend actually with other people in this team position, yes, of course, you're going to need to know your notes on your instrument or you're going to need to know what to do to diagnose and manage a infected joint, for example, like in orthopedics. These things do require you to have prerequisite knowledge, but at the same time, you can speed up your learning by working in a team, by making mistakes. And especially as med students, we're not actually going to kill our patients by making a mistake. We're just going to be told by the attending that we're wrong, which is a good way to learn. And I think it would be really good to have med students lose that fear of failure and strive to just do what they can, do their best, and then bring their best and be present like we're doing when we play music. Mm-hmm. I like to think back to, I was at a base camp a couple months back, and at the end of it, we were doing this Q&A, we just stayed up until like four in the morning talking, and at one point I was like, man, I really like this music thing, I've really enjoyed my time here, really enjoy playing bass, really enjoy playing with others, and I was like about to tear up, because August 17th would come, class would start again, and I'm back to the grind of medicine, and... I was saying, man, life is getting in the way of my playing now. <laughs> I and a uh, stupid med school. Yeah, <laughs> darn med school. It's my backup. Yeah, but uh, Reggie Hamilton, who's a very, very prolific jazz bassist, was there, and his brother is a veterinary surgeon, and he's seen what his brother has had to go through through vet school and training. He also plays music, and so his brother had to learn about like how to do surgery on the 54th cornea of the fruit fly or something crazy like that (laughs) you don't know how to do that aj well i'm not a vet yeah unfortunately (laughs) and he said life's gonna happen what matters the most is how you react to it and how you move on you don't have to be perfect you don't have to give it your all every single time if you can even do a little bit that's better than absolutely nothing Shortcoats, if you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us. And don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank you. I think a lot of med students and musicians get paralyzed by this fear of failure. When in reality, and this is an example from a book called Effortless Mastery by Kenny Werner, which I highly recommend any musician to read. And even if you're a med student and you want to understand what it's like to really just be free with your thoughts. I would highly recommend reading it. He gives an example of this fear of failure and how it can lead you to nowhere with a story of just a small town that has a radio station. And if you play at that radio station, you're professional now, like you've made it big time. But because it's so popular to get a spot on that radio station, people don't even try. So he sets up this scenario you go to the, or you call the radio station and you ask them, hey, can I get a gig? Now, mind you, this is somebody who has no following of any sort whatsoever. But the radio station says, yeah, sure. We have a spot for 15 minutes here. Would you guys consider that a success or a failure? Sounds like a 
success. Yeah, yeah, that's a success. Now, what about if you call them and they say no? Would that be a success or a failure? Success. Exactly. Now, what do you think would be a failure? Probably not trying at all. Exactly. Yeah. You never know if you don't give it a shot. So, And it's the same thing with medicine. You're never going to know if your diagnosis or your differential is a good differential unless you actually voice it with your attending and say, hey, is this a good idea? If they say yes, great job. You're right on top of studying up on your patients. If they say no, that's an opportunity for you to learn. But if you never voice it, you can go your whole life thinking your differential is good and it may may not have been for that specific patient. The worst that can happen is that you're told that you're not correct, which for some reason a lot of med students think is the end-all be-all of who they are, and I don't think that should be the case. Well, we see it as binary. We're either maximally perfect or we're totally failing this and not doing a good job when there's such an in-between of that spectrum. And Yeah. Oh man, this is so relevant in medicine because as you go through the path of being like undergraduate, then medical student, then resident, like you're always underneath somebody, right? There's always somebody like higher than you that can tell you that you're wrong about everything and stuff. So like (laughs) you can't live an entire life of being scared about being wrong and stuff because then you just never answer any question ever. And even when you're an attending, there's like the older attending who knows way more than you still. So like you just kind of got to come to the realization that Nobody like ever expects you to know everything. And like when you're a med student on rotations or whatever, like they don't think that you're going to, if you're on ortho, they don't think you're going to know everything about the surgery. You know, they just want to see like, did you put some effort in and are you trying to be helpful to the team and like trying to be cool with everybody? Like they don't expect you to be an expert on it. Like that's your place. They were there at one point too, but they can tell the difference between somebody who's just sitting there like dozing off not really thinking or somebody who's like really thinking and and at least trying for something and i I think that's something that everybody wants like in a team you're proving yourself more as a team member than you are like you know this genius doctor at this point in time you're just trying to be helpful this reminds me of a conversation my wife by the way works in 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 odo oh yeah and uh, she's seen a lot of phd students come through and, and sometimes they get frustrated because they're not doing like Big, like they're not discovering anything or they're not doing something that they see as important. And the fact of the matter is like when you're getting your PhD, even when you're getting an MD PhD, for instance, your job isn't to discover something new, but your job is to basically learn how to do science. Nobody's expecting you to be perfect and correct or groundbreaking or anything like that. You just got to get the how under your belt and then hopefully someday you'll do something cool. So that seems a lot like what you're talking about. Oh man, as a former hockey player, I would I would have to say the Wayne Gretzky quote: "You miss a hundred percent of the shots you yeah. don't, or the shots you don't take." But this is also so ironic, like with uh, medical student interviews going on literally right next door right now. It's like you know going through that whole process. All you're do, all you are, is like worried. Like, am I not good enough? Am I not perfect enough? Everybody else has this. I don't. Am I have telling this. them what they want to hear? That's something I read a lot online. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the worst process you know because like they essentially have this idea of what you should be and you're trying to fit that which is like the opposite of everything we're talking about right now express yourself do what feels good and that'll generally take you in the right direction so i think you got to find that balance of getting things done making sure you're a hard worker and stuff but also like keeping some sense of like who are you like what's unique about you throughout the process is like the balance that everybody's trying to find yeah, these uh, past four years, mainly college, I didn't really practice playing guitar too much. I would just sit down, jam, have fun. 
And I like reached a point a couple months ago. I was like, man, I have not improved in like the past five years. I'm good, but I haven't improved. And I need to take that mindset back to guitar and not just, oh, playing because it feels good. And that's not what everything is about. So it is finding that balance of that in between. If you want to get good at it. True. Very true. I mean, if you want to just noodle and that makes you happy. Yeah. Then I guess that's okay. I think medical students in general are extremely highly motivated individuals who expect they that they will perform at very high standards. And a lot of people go through undergrad, go through medical school. A lot of things are, some of them are like under your control, like how much can you study? How much, how well are you going to do on this test? And, and, and to some degree that is true. The more you study in medical school for a certain test, perhaps the better you'll do. But all of a sudden in the real world, in the clinical practice of things, that's not how it works. Like a lot of the things that you study aren't actually going to be applicable. For example, you might have a patient who has a mental health disorder and you're not sure whether or not they're actually going to be able to make it to the next appointment because they have a history of not making it to appointments. Now the book will tell you like, okay, you're going to prescribe this medication, but then you suggest that to the resident and based off of their experience and based on the experience of the attending, they realize actually for this person's specific situation, this is probably isn't the best idea to give them clozapine because we would need to monitor the white blood cell count, even though clozapine is like the most effective medication for schizophrenia. So there's a lot of these little like small things like this. And I think there's a, I think there's two things about it too, is one is a lot of students take when they're wrong they feel as though that's an attack on their ego and that reflects on them personally. And I think there's a huge distinction between the values that you hold. Do I work hard? Do I try the best I can? And, you know, versus like someone telling you you're wrong. There's nothing wrong. There's no problem with that. But it's sometimes it's hard not to take it personally. Uh, and then the other side of it too is like when you're an attending, how do you tell a medical student that they're wrong? How do you teach them in a way that they want to be taught? And I met with, if you, you guys ever take the clinical cardiology rotation, Dr. Donald Brown, who does all those, those cardiology lectures, crazy guy. I don't know how he's still <laughs> teaching or working, but he told me like with teaching his ideas, go back all the way to the point where a medical student could tell you something that they know and make them feel right in some way instead of give them an early win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's important too. It's like, it's, it's both sides of the communication is like, how do you communicate that as an attending and as a teacher? And I don't know if in, in medical school, we get that sort of education. How do we communicate with each other about how to communicate that Oh, actually, I think that I think you're maybe you're thinking about it from this perspective, but actually this is the correct answer because it can be people can be really abrasive in those settings. But yeah, so I think it is a complicated issue, but I agree in principle. We do expect a lot of ourselves and we should try and take it a little bit easy when we're trying our best. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You touch on a lot of points there with that nurturing process in training that's what we should be aiming for i've had the privilege of spending some time with victor wooten these past couple weeks and he mentions that music is a language all the time that is as natural as speaking your first language if you allow it to be and right now the way music is taught doesn't really lend to that is only there for the people that can pick it up and be perfect on the spot like You go to your first lesson and they expect you to be able to pump out like perfect 12 bar blues by a month in. 
I've been playing for over 20 years and we practice a 12 bar blues and I'll still lose my spot sometimes. And that's okay because it's supposed to be like a language. It's just the way we're communicating it. And the thing is, and this is what Victor says a lot, when you're a kid and you're just learning to talk, you're babbling, your parents don't say that that you're wrong when you call a chair the dada or something like that. They say, oh, yeah, sit on the dada. And they give you the context clues. And over time, you learn, oh, this is a chair. <laughs> in medicine. I used to throw my children in the basement. Oh. <laughs> Dave, I've seen your basement. That is not a place I would want to be thrown. <laughs> I'm sorry. I kept you in my basement. For a <laughs> That's okay. how they really learn. Yeah. It was worth the cats. <laughs> yeah. I got the cats it for Dave. <laughs> In medicine, it seems like we take this failure and we almost expect to be punished for it. And, of course, we're not going to be told, like, oh, yeah, penicillin. Yeah, that's good for everything. Your attending is never going to tell you that. They'll, But they will tell you, like, oh, yeah, penicillin, that is an antibiotic. You're in the right range of pharmaceuticals for this infection. So <laughs> it, I'm talking about this log because we just had our microbiome yeah. exam. Yeah. Excellent. Oof. You don't want to prescribe an antipsychotic for an infection? Yeah. You're on the right track. You're doing well. <laughs> These little building steps, though, it's like this is what we should be striving yeah. for. Yeah. Little reiter reiterative steps towards that idea of perfection. I don't think perfection truly exists. If that was the case, we would have 100% on statistical analysis which is statistically illiterate we at most will get 99.99 percent it's the same thing with learning medicine you go step by step to get better and better and better over time more prepared more experienced i don't think smarter or dumber are good ways to describe somebody who's learning it should just be i have the experience or i have the resources or the training those are a lot more accomplishable to achieve than saying, oh, I need to get smarter or I'm so dumb. Now you're mm -hmm. describing yourself as that thing instead of someone who's capable of change. And music does the same thing. It's reiterative. I can play something really simple and think, oh, I want to make it a little spicier. I can add some more notes or I can add some funky notes. <laughs> With medicine, it's like, okay, I know what penicillins are, but my attending said that you shouldn't put penicillin on everything. So what else is out there? And then I start studying and looking at all these cartoons that we watch in med school. You spice it up with some cephalosporins. Yeah. Exactly. Third generation, baby. Spice it up, baby. You guys want to play some music? Let's yeah. do it. Let's sure. do it. One, two, three, four.
they play us out. That's our show. AJ, Drew, Anthony, Trayton, thanks for uh, being on the show with me today. What kind of Ascaris lumbricoides infestation would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available. Our editors are A.J. Chowdhury and Eric Bozart. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our music is by Dr. Vox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Adler saying don't feed the trolls. Talk to you in one week. That was sick. Hi, Shortcoats. Look, life in medical education, life in America, life in the world is often difficult. And I often wish I could help. All I have is this podcast, but in my wildest dreams, you have the support you need to lead a life of your choosing. You deserve to be happy, healthy, and successful in whatever ways you define those words. So if you need support because you've experienced racism, discrimination, harassment, mental health crises, I want you to be able to get the help that you need. And so I'm going to put some links in the show notes to some resources that you can use. But the bottom line is that for what it's worth, I see you. I know you're out there. I wish I could do more. Maybe I can in ways that I don't understand yet or know about. But I see you and I'm glad you're here and other people are too. 